regular Drews. Hello, everyone. Uh, welcome to episode 40. Wow, 40. I know. <laughs> and we're over here like planning 50 already. I'm I know. Like... <laughs> we were just talking. We were just trying to figure out how, the order of how we were going to do everything next, which you will find out very soon, uh, regular Drews. But today we're going to be covering Girl Detective uh, Super Mystery number one. Where's Nancy? Well, aren't you a regular Nancy Drew? We sure hope so, and we hope you are too. Join us as we talk Nancy Drew cover to cover and click to click. Welcome to Regular Nancy Drew. What makes it super? Uh, Your guess is as good as ours. <laughs> it's so boring. It uh, was. You guys. Uh, <laughs> it's so boring. I just, I found myself skimming because I just did not fucking care. I just didn't care. <laughs> I could not care. Which is wild <laughs> when you think about the premise of the book is that Nancy Drew is missing. I, I'm sorry. I just don't understand how you can write this book with this with this premise and then have it turn out boring. Yeah. What an accomplishment. <laughs> it was so predictable and frustrating. And the best part about it is that it's the last girl detective that we're going to read for a long, long yes. time. Uh-huh. Maybe ever. Potentially ever. That's fine by me. <laughs> it's just nothing happened. Nothing no. happened. There was no mystery. I mean, like, there was, but, like, we don't we don't get to investigate it. No. Not really. Nope. So, mm, what's the point? It's Nancy left notes behind, and then Beth, George, and Ned read her notes and are like, hmm, a museum theft. I wonder what that could mean. Better do anything oh, well. but investigate the museum. Let's ask some random person on the street if they know of a museum theft recently. They said no. So we investigated that. Check that off our list. Don't need to follow up any further. We don't even have to do the summary now because you just summarized the whole book. That's it. <laughs> oh, sorry, it. guys. I spoiled it for everyone. <laughs> uh, Let's Google it. Mm, no results. No, All right. I guess. Couldn't be that. Oh, well. Oh, well. <laughs> Let's maybe, let's drive over here to this random park. Maybe we'll find some clues there. <laughs> okay. All right. Cool. Good job, team. Go team. Woo! I just, it's, it's, there's, listen. I get, I get that we are trying to establish Nancy as like this special god figure when it comes to solving mysteries or something and that obviously best george and ned cannot be as good at nancy as solving mysteries otherwise what is the point of nancy i get it yeah but they're so dumb <laughs> so stupid <laughs> in this book it was like i'm sorry are you a, are like a literal child you're supposed to be like basically adults at this point you you have no idea what to do, who to at. Like, just the the sheer 
nature of them like you know meeting a, or, or you know meeting a character or a suspect or whatever ask them one question yeah. and then they don't get the answer they want and they're just like i guess they don't know and then just turn around <laughs> like, ah! ask them anything else ask them anything else hold on did we accidentally I read just, one of the clue crew books <laughs> it's just so painful oh gosh um yeah so i guess you can tell we didn't enjoy it regular truth read this if you want to yell at george and bess and ned sometimes ned is honestly the the best character in this yeah in this book yeah which is just like shocking and upsetting yeah but he's he's literally the only one who like does anything Oh. Even Carson. Carson's just like despondent. Carson. Oh my god, Carson. I haven't even thought about that. Yeah, what does he do? He calls the police and then just washes his hands, I guess? Yep. The hell? He just sits at home hoping a, like a ransom call will come. Isn't and... he supposed to be the OG detective? Yeah. And then we He's don't the even... One... <sighs> Go ahead. He never... Oh, he never comes back at the end. Yeah. Like, we just, like, get the scene at the beginning where um, Bess, George, and Ned are like, okay, Carson, you stay here, wait by the phone, we'll go out and do, like, investigating on the ground, and then that's it. We, d- we don't hear from Carson again the entire time. That is insane. I did mm-hmm. not even think about that. First mm-hmm. of all, Hannah's at home, so yeah. why does Carson need to be at home? Right. Second of all, Carson is supposed to be who Nancy inherited, like, her investigative prowess from. Right. Right. This book should so, be about Carson solving the mystery. Yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah, this book should have been Carson looking for his missing daughter. That would have been so much better. Yeah. Like, leagues better. Ugh. Instead of this, Ugh. let's highlight how much Bess and George are amateurs and how right. everyone doesn't right. respect them or think of them as their own people or their own mm-hmm. individual person. Yeah. Right. Yeah, we'll have to talk about that, too. Yeah. That, is the, that is, like, the only thing... To of note in this book is just the characterization and kind of like the um interesting dynamic that they they set up between them yeah. all. But yeah, otherwise there's really not a whole lot going for it. I only took half a page of notes. Like I didn't even <laughs> fill up a full page. Just nothing to say about dies, it. Nothing happens. Literally nothing happens. I don't know how to explain that to you. Somehow though, I did manage to get like a full summary of this book. So okay. You know, I guess we'll run through it and maybe, maybe you'll, you'll find something <laughs> interesting about it. You guys, I, I don't know. Um, three words. <clears throat> boring. Um, <laughs> boring River Heights book. That's yep. all I got. There we go. All right. Moving on. <laughs> okay. On to the summary. Yeah. Okay. So starts off this book alternates between george and bess's perspectives um which i thought would be interesting to kind of compare and contrast turns out their perspectives are pretty much exactly the same so it doesn't really matter who's narrating this um there are you know maybe a couple of notable differences in the whole book between the two of them but otherwise it's absolutely not relevant so this first chapter is by george but it doesn't matter as i said so it's fourth of july weekend (laughs) And the 75th anniversary of the first River Heights Independence Day parade. So it's like this big deal. I don't know. They're making a big deal out of the parade. Um, 
Nancy has asked to meet with George and Bess to discuss some mystery at the college museum, um, but she has not shown up for lunch nor answered her cell phone. In fact, apparently, this does not concern neither Bess or George because this is just a common occurrence that Nancy just doesn't show up, doesn't answer her phone, is just like an absolute flake. Um, so they are not concerned. They eat. It's been like two hours and they just decide, well, she's not here. I guess we'll just leave. I don't know about y'all. <laughs> if one of my friends didn't show up, didn't answer her cell phone when we planned to meet for lunch after two hours, I would be extremely concerned. Yeah. I guess we're trying to classify Nancy as just absolutely single-minded. Mm -hmm. But I feel like the Nancy Drew of the original mystery stories, and tell me if you think that I'm just wrong, Corey, but I think she would at least manage to get a message to her friends somehow, or at least attempt to. Right. I mean, unless like, she's actually missing, which I guess, right. I mean. Which I guess she is. But but you would think that, like, Bess and George would care. They would right. care if Nancy didn't show up. And they'd exactly. make an effort. But it just they just didn't care. They are just like, oh, I guess she's doing her mystery thing. She forgot to meet us for lunch. Okay. I feel like original Nancy would have been very punctual. Like, she would have been five minutes mm -hmm. early, if anything. Mm -hmm. so. Yeah, absolutely. Like, she would never make a commitment to someone with lunch and then not show up. Mm -hmm. And Bess like, and George just... would absolutely be concerned with reason. Right. Yeah. Right. Right. Um, but so they leave uh, the restaurant and they run into Ned outside. And then he promises to give Nancy a hard time with their date tonight about blowing them off. <sighs> Uh, this this okay. just bugs me so much. This just bugs me so much. Um, but anyway, later that day, Bess and George are watching a movie and they get a phone call. Of course, it's Ned. Ned's freaking out because Nancy hasn't shown up for their date. So George decides to call the Drew home to try to see if Carson or Hannah have heard from Nancy. But turns out, not. Carson is worried. He's not seen Nancy since breakfast. Um, so George and Bess call Ned, tell him this, and then they all decide to head over to the Drews to kind of I guess, figure out, try to come together to figure out what has happened. Mm -hmm. um, once they're there, they kind of briefly look through Nancy's room, but like aside from finding her cell phone, which she left behind, which apparently was a common thing that Nancy did. I just, I it just is 2005 cannot... to be fair. A lot of people would leave their cell sure. phones, but <laughs> maybe so, but I just cannot, I cannot jive with this representation of Nancy being this airheaded flake. I can't do it. No. It bugs me so much. If Nancy Drew of the 1950s had a cell phone and had this like tool, this very invaluable tool for mystery solving, just like her flashlight, she'd carry it with her everywhere. Yeah, absolutely. And instead, it's like the crux of the whole mystery is based off of her forgetfulness right. and like not checking where she's going. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 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 So annoying. Yeah, so there's nothing that really tells them where Nancy might be, and so Carson decides to go ahead and call Chief McGinnis. Um, so pretty soon after Carson and Hannah leave the room, Bess and George and Ned all resolve themselves to try to find Nancy by trying to think like Nancy. So they're like, okay, what would Nancy think about? Motives. Clues. And then they're like, we got nothing. <laughs> uh, and so George decides to hack into Nancy's email. And read the email that Nancy sent to them, because apparently she can't, like, get into her own email to read the email that Nancy sent to them. She's got to hack into Nancy's. I guess maybe because it's just convenient. Um, convenient. Like, her computer is there, but, like, eh, 
sure okay <laughs> anyway um basically they realize they need to look into the muse- museum apparently there's an exhibit on like rare and valuable chess sets currently no news of a theft but maybe nancy knows something that the rest of the world doesn't yet as she i guess frequently does <laughs> they do when they're looking in nancy's inbox they do also find an email from someone zq that kind of just sounds like a thanks for some community service work or something it's just a weird aside. Um, but then they look at Nancy's like desktop calendar and they see some interesting notations on it. One for tomorrow that says RHC Society, three o'clock, M-H-Y-H-L-L. Yeah. It's truly painful to me that they can't figure out what this is supposed to mean because it's so obvious. Yeah. So obvious. Like, you could literally, you could just guess based on what we literally just learned exactly what it means. RHC Society. Mm, I don't know. River Heights Chess Society. Three o'clock. Where might the River Heights Chess Society meet? Maybe someplace, I don't know, called Mahoney Hall? Yeah. Literally, I didn't even know there was such a thing as Mahoney Hall, but I can put that together just from reading that. Everything points to this chess thing. Hmm. Better not investigate the chess thing at all. Better not look into it at all. Also, I'll say, Ned goes to this school. He doesn't know the abbreviation for Mahoney Hall. Right. You don't see that? Oh, I know what that means. I see that on, like, my class schedules all the time. No. Nope. Seriously, dude. <laughs> um, then there's also another one um, for Monday that says, Parade, watch then, C-O-M-M, as cover. Okay. Mm, okay. That one's a little bit more mysterious. Um, not sure what that might mean. So they decide to head to the Independence Day Festival that's gearing up to start tonight. They figure that most of the town will be there, and then that's a good place to start asking around to see if anybody has seen Nancy. I think this is not the worst decision that they make in this book. Um, it's at least an attempt to like get the word out, get people's eyes, you know looking for nancy and everything so i I think that this is acceptable um but it gets so much worse um (laughs) so they ask a bunch of people if they've seen nancy including many people that we're familiar with now harold safer evelyn waters and also this guy named marcus pembleton and this retired guy who used to farm but now lives off an inheritance who's currently like walking through the parade and being dragged by this exuberant dog named Rufus. Um, (laughs) None of them say they have any idea where Nancy is, but Marcus is incredibly short in his reply and then just like quickly moves away, which is a little suspicious. Um, Later turns out not to be anything at all. Maybe he just wants to get away, but you know, we got to throw some suspicion in there early. Um, And then just as they're saying that she go into Lucia's shop, Lucia Consolvo, owner of the i forget the name of it but the uh psychic store she's mm-hmm. a psychic um they're gonna go into her shop and ask her to predict where nancy is <laughs> um they that's see Chief not McGinnis. the worst plan that they have though no, to be honest <laughs> they should absolutely have done that they should absolutely have done that um but they decide not to because they see chief mcginnis so they go ask him if he has any leads and he says it's too early for that so he's not really even looking into the case or working on the case yet he doesn't seem concerned about nancy's disappearance at all i think at this point and i think probably rightful for chief mcginnis to assume that nancy has just gone gone off somewhere investigating a mystery Mm -hmm. because as she is wont to do um 
But obviously, this is discouraging to Nancy's friends. So. Yeah. Okay, so after this encounter, they finally figure out that the MHYHLL does stand for Mahoney Hall, after all, um, which is a building at the university. So they decide that they're going to head over there tomorrow at, what was it, 3 o'clock, whatever time Nancy mm-hmm. had on her calendar, um, if, if they're not able to find her tonight anyway. Um, but just then, they spot Deirdre coming along. Um, she's got a college boyfriend with her. Uh, she comes over to flirt with Ned, of course, in front of this guy, which is kind of weird. But they ask her about it, and sh- she says she has not seen Nancy, but she finds it very funny that Nancy is missing. Um, she also tells us that she has been named Miss Rackham Industries for the parade, and she goes on to describe the like beautiful crown and dress that she's going to be wearing, which has like all these diamonds all over it, and um, it's being protected by two guard dogs at Rackham Industries, which is like super Jesus. extreme. It sounds like, <laughs> yeah. Um, but they don't really learn anything else from being at this festival, and they decide to head home and promise that they're going to meet up first thing in the morning to continue their search. Um, nobody gets any sleep that night, or pretty much any night for the, this entire story, but um, next morning, still no sign of Nancy, no word from her. Um, Ned is actually working at his father's paper, um, and he has he has to go to work today to work for the paper. I guess they're covering part of this parade and the Independence Day Festival, uh, but he says he's going to be able to use their resources to look into the museum angle a little bit more while he's at work. Um, so Bess and George start strategizing on what they're going to do next that day. Um, They get a call from Carson and he says, you know, Nancy's car still hasn't been found. So maybe like keep your eyes out in case you see her car around town or something. Um, And they remember Charlie Adams, who works on cars. And they decide that he like if anyone knows where Nancy is, it would be him. So um, they head over to the shop where he works and he says, oh, yeah, I I know where Nancy's car is. It's right here. Um, She had a flat (laughs) tire yesterday uh, and she called him around 930, 10 a.m. He went out to meet her and brought her car into the shop. Then he took her to Anvil Park where he where she asked him to drop her off. Um, He offers to wait for her at the park, but she says, no, I'll make my own way home. Thanks anyway. Um, So Bess and George head over to Anvil Park. Uh, what like assuming that she's still there i don't know (laughs) i truly have no idea why um they try to talk to a few people in the park i guess assuming that everyone's regular routine is if you're at the park one morning you must be at the park every morning and ask did you see anything uh yesterday um and bradley geffington is there and they start talking to him um he like points out like past George, like, Oh no, look out. There's a snarling beast leaping straight towards you, George. (laughs) Um, yeah. So this giant dog like comes running over. seems like it's about to attack them. Uh, but the dog is actually called off by its trainer who we meet. Her name is Marge Kurz. Um, she scolds George and asks her like, what are you doing here? Everyone knows that I train my dogs here at 7am every day. Like this is my territory. Get out of here. How dare you? Blah, blah, blah. Um, She explains a little bit further. She trains these security dogs, but she refers to them as hair trigger protection devices. I had to make a note of that because it's so bizarre. Um, The whole way they talk about dogs in this book is weird. It is very weird. It's so strange. And so she trains these dogs and then like gives them to clients who will then use them for protection, kind of like the Rackham Industries princess crown or whatever it is. Uh, Mr. Gavington is actually about to like tell her that she's out of line, but when she 
sees him and realizes who she who he is um she suddenly like changes her demeanor gets really nice starts being really flattering towards him she suddenly you know it's obvious that she wants to try to to get his business um to yeah. like use one of her dogs at his bank um so she gives him her business card and she leaves Bess and George decide to go get breakfast, and then later that afternoon, they're going to plan to pick up Ned. Um, they tell Ned about the car thing, but they don't have any other leads at this point because, you know, everything points to the museum. Why go to the museum? Whatever. Um, but fortunately, <laughs> it's almost three o'clock now, so they do head over to Mahoney Hall to follow up on what Nancy had written in their, her calendar. Turns out it's a meeting of the River Heights Chess Society. Who would have thought? Wow. Yeah. Uh, we see some familiar faces here. We do see Simone. Uh, we, ugh, I can't speak today. Sorry. We do see Simone, who is the owner of the Fabergé egg from the first book that we read. Um, Evelyn Waters is there and Marcus Pembleton as well. Um, Simone is apparently this really great chess player. And Nancy, uh, they're asking, you know, about have you seen Nancy? And she's like, oh, yeah, I actually invited Nancy to come. She said she was going to come to this meeting. But, of course, she didn't show up. Um, so no, none of them have seen Nancy. Um, and now again, we are back to square one in our investigation. Mm-hmm. Um, they do decide though, that they do want to follow up a little bit more with Deirdre because maybe Deirdre knows a little bit more about the parade itself and what Nancy was kind of looking for with the parade note in her calendar. This is the craziest thing to me. Yeah. This is the craziest thing. Why would you go to Deirdre, a typically categorically unhelpful character, when you have like two very solid leads to go to check into the museum? At least go look at the chess exhibit. Like yeah. clearly, Nancy, she told you that she was when she was coming to lunch, she sent you an email. I was like, I'm investigating this mystery at the museum. She literally says that in her email. Yeah. Then you see written on her calendar or whatever river heights chess society or whatever so they go to the river heights chess society thing and it's like oh yeah we're you know we don't have any of our chess sets because they're all over at the museum right now you know nancy wanted to go to this come on guys come on we could have solved this mystery by like chapter four (laughs) we could have solved this mystery in chapter one true true It gets worse, though. Anyway, Don't worry. Don't it worry. Does. It sure does. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So uh, they decide to head to the country club where Deirdre, I guess, usually hangs out. She's laying out, getting a tan. God, I love Deirdre. <laughs> um, and after asking her about the float, she tells them about this competition that the Mahoney Foundation is sponsoring. It's like a float competition. Um, and I guess there's going to be some big prize for whoever can make the best float. Um, she says our float's definitely going to win because Rackham Industries is sponsoring it. Um, and that's it. That's all they ask her about. They don't ask her anything about like her father's donation of these chess sets, which he donated these chess sets to the museum. Doesn't ask her anything about the crown or why it's being guarded by guard dogs. Nothing like that. That's all they ask her. And they're like, well, I guess she doesn't know. And they leave. Um, so they realize they aren't getting anywhere um, without investigating potential motives. I would say you're not getting anywhere without investigating potential crime scenes, but yeah. Um, so instead of going, you know, back to Deirdre or visiting the museum or anything, they decide to head to the Daily Bugle offices to see if any criminals Nancy put behind bars were recently released. 
And what's so frustrating about this, too, is that they run across this guy while they're doing that. They run across this guy named Zane Quinn, who Nancy put in jail when she was 14, I might add, which good grief (laughs) for running a phone scam. He ran a phone scam. I guess he might have been a teenager, too. But anyway, and then they realize that ZQ is the same initials from the email that they found when they hacked Nancy's computer. Um, But Zane Quinn shouldn't be out of prison yet. So like, oh, well, I guess it's not him. Oh, well, let's call around and rule out a bunch of other people instead, instead of looking into that. Um, At one point, they're even like, let's look into Carson's enemies as well. Or or call or make one phone call about Zane Quinn. Yeah. Call Chief Call Chief McGinnis. They can't do that though because they might offend him by asking him to do his job. And so they decide not to well, bother Chief is, McGinnis. He's what? already Chief McGinnis has already followed this lead. Yeah. <laughs> Which we learn later. The Chief McGinnis knows all about ZQ, Zanquin, all of that. If they had just called him immediately, they could have saved all of their time. Yeah. In doing this. I just it's just so painful. It's so painful. Um yeah. So it gets super late. They don't get any leads. They all decide to go home, go to bed. All right. Um, (laughs) The next morning, of course, there's still no word from Nancy. But finally, um, they put together that the cryptic note Nancy wrote on her calendar might have something to do with parade floats. Um, So they go to check those out. Right? Finally. But uh, the place is packed. Of course, everybody is there working on their floats for the parade that's, like, tomorrow. Um, so they split up to try to question people. Of course, again, to no avail. Nobody knows anything. Um, they meet back up at, like, the Gaudy Rackham Industries float, where Ned tells them that the University Museum has a float. So they go th- check that out. And they stop, stop to talk to some of the museum staff. They bring up the possibility of there being a robbery at the museum. Which is just like, you guys, if you think that there's a possibility of there being a robbery at the museum, go to the museum. Yeah. Go to the museum. Don't go talk to the employees of the museum float that they're building for the parade. Go to the museum. That would be too easy. I just... So, yeah, they bring up the possibility of a robbery and the staff are all like, no way, no way that there's going to be a robbery. We have this new guard dog. Turns mm-hmm. out, Mrs. Kurz has loaned one of her dogs to the museum to help provide security for the chess exhibit. Interesting coincidence. Guys. Guys. Come on. Put it together. Put it together. It's not that hard. It's so obvious. <laughs> I hate this. Um, but still, still nothing for our crack team here. Um, they all start brainstorming possible crimes that Nancy could have been investigating related, related to this new development. But... They still can't figure it out. Um, They decide, let's go straight to the museum director, Vivian Abernathy, and ask her what's going on. Okay. All right. Potentially. (laughs) Is that the same Abernathy from the DS game that we did? It's not, is it? Oh, no way. I think it was a different first name. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. But interesting connection. Mm. Um. So they're able to track her down at the local spa. She says there's been no suspicious activity at the museum recently, though her staff are all in a tizzy about the chess exhibit. Apparently, the museum isn't used to hosting traveling exhibits that are so valuable, and their security system is outdated. 
Um, she does mention the guard dog, and she says that no matter how much Miss Kurz would like them to, they can't keep keep it on after the exhibit leaves. It's not in the budget. Um, she also says that when the power goes out, which it does apparently occasionally, Tommy and Zane have to go reset the system by hand. Hold on. Zane? Like Zane Quinn? She says, yeah, Zane Quinn. And they're like, uh, do you know he's an ex-con? And she says, yeah, I do. Um, but he paid his debt to society and you're one, and he's one of my best hires. Way huh. to go, Vivian Abernathy. Yeah, thank you. Um, she really stands up for him. Um, <laughs> but now, I guess now at this point, there are too many coincidences with Zane Quinn. And they decide to go find him. <sighs> this is so painful. It is. We yeah. know where Zane Quinn works. But instead of going there, where they might be able to find him, they decide, let's hack into something that George mysteriously hacks into to find his address and then go stake out his home. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Thanks, guys. Thanks, thanks, thanks. Yeah. Thanks, thanks, thanks. Go to the museum. Go to the museum one time. Yeah. One time. <laughs> Enter the museum. Anyway. That's so bad. Uh, so they're about to, or they're like staking out Zane's house to see if anyone will come out of it and then they can confront him. But they're there, they're sitting there for a long, long time. And then a woman that they don't know starts walking up to his door. So they like jump out and run over and they're like, hey, do you know where Zane is? Do you know what time he'll be home? And she, she's like, um, no, who are you guys? This is super weird. Like, they're really strange about it. Um, she explains that she actually lives a block over and she's just kind of house sitting for Zane, getting his mail and stuff and watering his plants while he's gone. Um, apparently, he his family's from Phoenix, so he went to Phoenix to go visit them and won't be back until the guard dog is gone from the museum. Um, apparently, Zane is like super against the idea the guard dog is kind of scared of it and says it's like making this hostile workplace environment um so he cannot be working while the guard dog is there so he will not be back until that guard dog is gone finally they decide to call the police to confirm his story and and yeah they do um they learn that actually he left like the morning that nancy went missing so you know he couldn't have been I mean, technically, he couldn't have been the one to do it unless he's, like, lying about his travel plans or whatever. They talked to Chief McGinnis a little bit, and he is seeming worried as well. But he's like, you know, if you guys had called me, you know we already followed <laughs> up on the Zane angle. Um, and they already looked into it. And actually, yes, we saw his flight itinerary, and he was on that plane. Like, don't worry about it. So now that angle is out. Um, but it's been three days now, and Bess and George are just kind of like, we don't even want to think about how serious this is at this point, because this is kind of a crucial moment in the investigation timeline. Right. Mm -hmm. um, so they decide that they are going to split up so that they can cover more ground. I guess Ned is going to go stake out the Anvil park where Nancy was last seen. And then Bess and George are going to stake out the museum. Finally, we go to the museum. Um, but Corey, they don't go inside. No, we don't bother <laughs> to go inside the museum. We don't try to talk to anyone at the museum. <laughs> They decide to sit in some bushes <laughs> near the museum. Um, oh. And then they start like falling asleep on their stakeout. So they decide, okay, one of us has to be like up 
and moving around so that we can stay awake. So they've decided like every, what, like half an hour, one of them is going to get up and like do a lap around the building and then they will come back and like trade. <laughs> um, so yeah, they, they do this. They're like sitting outside the museum for hours and hours and they don't really like see anything. There's nobody around. Um, occasionally they'll hear like bumps and thumps and barks from inside the museum, but they're like, okay, it's just that, that guard dog that's in there um whatever and then they fall asleep for real both of them are like (laughs) passed out in this bush that is what george describes as like surprisingly comfortable it's really weird but (laughs) Um, ladies (laughs) top investigative work yes (laughs) investigating the back of your eyelids and then they're awoken by the sound of a dog barking wildly they sh- they finally they wake up they shoot out of the bushes in time to see a shadowy figure fleeing the museum um george chases him down and finds that it is marcus pembleton the guy who from the festival who was being dragged around by his dog um when they catch up to him he stops and george is like okay Bess, it's safe to come out now it's just marcus pembleton uh, but he does admit that he was actually trying to steal a chess set, this one that was from ancient India, because he felt like he needed to be the guardian of this chess set and keep it safe because somebody else was going to come steal it or something. He like kind of kind of alludes to there being a threat to this chess set mm-hmm. that he needs to protect it and keep it safe. Um, he thought that he could he's good with dogs. So he thought he could like charm the the guard dog because he had like a stake or something with him, but Mm -hmm. the dog, it did not fall for the stake trick and like freaked out anyway. Um, but he, he says, no, I don't know anything about Nancy being missing. And like when he learns that, yes, she's still missing, he seems genuinely concerned about her. Um, so George and Bess call the police and they come and take him into custody. But here we are again, stuck with no leads seriously seriously even at this point when we know that someone was trying to burgle the museum we don't go in to look at what he was attempting to burgle nope you guys you guys just just walk just walk in just walk in it's so painful so painful this is when i actually started getting mad at the plot i'm like if this (laughs) is what i think it is i'm gonna be furious at the end and then it was it was. Yep. Yeah. yeah. It's just it's just entirely obvious throughout the whole thing exactly what's happening, exactly where Nancy is. Mm-hmm. There's literally, we know where Nancy is. Like, yeah. us as the reader know exactly where Nancy is. And it's just us yelling at these characters throughout the whole thing, being mm-hmm. like, what the heck? Won't you go to the one place <laughs> that Nancy said she was investigating? Why? Why? What is the reason? Refusing to look at the solution that's directly in front of them. Literally. Um, literally directly in front of them. Sorry. Yeah. Not to spoil no, the ending too much. We're almost there. We're it's... almost there, guys. Hang in. <laughs> okay. So Ned tells us he didn't see anything at the park. Um, so yeah. So no leads. So after another fitful, sleepless night, the girls are out at the parade. Ned is there too, but he's working. Uh, he's in there in the capacity of junior reporter i guess and is working um they have this weird encounter with marge kurz she's like being surrounded by kids um trying to like i guess pet her dog or something and she's trying to get them to leave her dog alone because i guess he's not safe to be around children um which is like why do you have your dog out on a leash if you can't control your dog around other people i don't understand 
Um, but Bess is able to distract the kids and get them to disperse. But um, Bess and George are like disgruntled that she'd bring her quote unquote trained security dog to the parade because it could kill someone. Here's the thing. I just, I just don't understand either of these people's perspectives on animals. Like, having a trained security dog is all well and good, it's fine, or whatever. They're not just going to attack someone randomly. Right. Right? Like, it's not like these dogs are, are they're, they're trained, right? So they're supposed well, they to be. do it on command. Right. <laughs> they're not the just point. like these these monsters or anything who are just going to go around attacking people. Um, and like, if they are, they wouldn't be security dogs because they'd be unable to be handled. Like, yeah, I just, and then also like Marge obviously doesn't like, she also doesn't think about her own dogs well enough because she apparently thinks that she can just take them out to the middle of the park, unleash them and train them to attack things in the middle of a populated neighborhood park. Yeah. I don't understand. I truly don't understand. I guess um, if they're, like, still in training, they could possibly be a concern. But then sure. why are you taking them but to then, a crowded parade in the first place? Exactly. Exactly. Keep them somewhere until they're ready for something right. like that. That's not a training yeah. scenario. That's that's well, dangerous there, yeah, there if they like really like that. There are, controlled ways that you can socialize your dog without just exposing them to a massive crowd. Right. You know With what I mean? All these like, children poking at them. Yes. Yeah. Yes. I don't like it. Um, So they talk a bit about her dog, Klaus, um, because Klaus is, you know, the star for having foiled the museum theft last night. Um, Marge boasts about how her dogs are silent but deadly, which is just crazy. Um, And then Marge looks at her watch and, like, abruptly leaves. George and Bess head away from the parade, dejected and not in the mood to start uh are not in the mood for to like watch the parade and they start talking about what marge says klaus didn't seem that silent right because they mm-hmm. heard all these thumps um and barks from the museum that night so they're like wait a second if klaus is supposed to be silent but deadly what were those noises oh maybe it wasn't the dog what if it was somebody else trying to steal from the museum we're so close we're so close um, and then after all, didn't Marcus say something about how he was trying to steal the chess set to keep it safe, right? So they finally decide to head over to the museum to just check out this theory. And then once they're there, they hear the thumping again. They head around to the back of the museum, I guess, to try to go in through the back because maybe the museum's closed. They see Marge Kurz leaving the back door with a bulging backpack slung over her shoulder. <gasps> Okay, here we are. Here we go. They shouted her to stop, and she takes off running. And then there is, like, one of the funniest chase scenes that I think <laughs> I have ever read. Because she takes off. She tries to sick Klaus the dog on Best and George, but Klaus doesn't follow the command. And so she runs, and then Klaus just, of course, runs after her follows her because it's her dog. Um, and so the girls run after Klaus, who's running after Marge, through the parade, causing all <laughs> kinds of mayhem, which culminates um, in climbing on top of the Miss Rackham float, knocking Deirdre over, and with the help of Ned, finally stopping March. Um, it was a good chase scene. It was an excellent chase Only scene. Only redeeming maybe, quality of this book. <laughs> yes, absolutely, absolutely. 
So later Marge is in handcuffs and like spewing threats, but she eventually says to the police, um, after the police find the stolen goods from the museum in her backpack, that she was stupid, quote unquote, this time. And she admits to having done this for years, like stealing from museums for years and never being caught. Yep. What a dumbass. <laughs> Who does this? I hate her. <laughs> She's awful. She's awful. Um, um, apparently, she explains that other times she normally wouldn't have stolen from the museum that she was casing while her dog was on shift to look, to not like arouse suspicion that it was her. But she was under a time crunch this time because of the traveling exhibit. And so she didn't, she, that's the only opportunity that she had. And also she was going to kill her dog, poison mm. her dog. To make so it look that, like the bad guy. To make had... it look like, yeah. Yeah. Make mm-hmm. it look like someone else had come in. What a despicable human being. Yeah. I cannot. I hate her so um, much. She was like, yes. they're replaceable. Okay, first of Ooh. all, even if you hate dogs, which I hate you if, if you hate dogs that much, first <laughs> of all. Uh, but even if you do, and this is purely like a business move for you, these dogs don't take five no. minutes to train in the first no. place. These dogs are and probably worth that. like thousands of dollars each. If that was your business, you would know how right. expensive and valuable those dogs are. Right. So... No, dogs are not replaceable, first of all, especially ones that have that amount of like training and, and knowledge already. From a business perspective, right. that's a terrible move. Come sure. on, lady. Yeah. Awful. Yeah. Awful. Um, she does tell us that she didn't have time to poison him, though, because she got spooked by a noise in the museum and took off. Um, so Klaus is okay. She did not harm the dog klaus is okay and um, poor baby klaus chasing after her I, through the I chase know. scene through the parade I because he just know. wants to be with his owner sweet angel i know it's he's like sad, gotta follow right? mommy the one who just tried mm-hmm. to murder me Ugh, <laughs> it's horrible um so now see she tells us that she assumes that the noise was Bess and george from the museum but of course it wasn't and so we realize now, finally, that the noise she heard, all the banging that we heard previously, must have been Nancy. So we all race over to the museum, and once inside, we yell for Nancy. The banging picks up, so she hears us. Oh, we follow the noise finally. <laughs> to the door marked pantry. It's bolted from the outside. We unlock it, and inside is Nancy, who is, of course, very glad to see us. Lord. Oh my goodness. The last chapter is from Nancy's perspective, and we flash forward and we're all lounging by the pool of the country club with Deirdre scowling at us, which is funny. Um, and of course, we can't miss the opportunity to make fun of her and recount how she was so mad stomping around after the parade was interrupted and shut down that she ripped the seam of her dress and exposed her underwear to the whole town. So hilarious. So funny, so funny that Deirdre was embarrassed. Wonderful. Uh-huh. That this teen girl's underwear was exposed to all these adults. Yeah. Hilarious. Nancy is proud. She says she's proud of her friends for being able to find her, especially with so little to go on. And it's just like, Nancy, you emailed them and you told them that you were investigating this thing at the museum, a potential crime at the museum. And it takes them three days to find you at the museum. And you're like, 
fucking crowd. You had so little to go on. <laughs> you told them. You told them where you were, basically. Yeah. But, um, you know, conveniently, she was in that pantry, so she had enough to eat and drink. It's fine. Like, yes. Yeah. So she explains to us that she actually just put the possibility of a theft together after reading about reports of unsolved crimes and museum heists where guard dogs were present. And she was like, oh, traveling, very expensive museum, River Heights Museum, poor security guard dog. There could be a theft happening here. Yeah. Um, so she realized, yeah, it would be an especially good time to rob the River Heights Museum because of the parade. And she started to look into it. But she never even actually got the opportunity to talk to Marge. She missed her at the park that day because that's what she went to the park for to try to talk to her. And then she went over to the museum to meet her friend, Zane Quinn, because she and Carson helped him get released from prison early for good behavior, and she helped him get the museum job. So they're fine. Zane does not have a grudge against Nancy at all. <laughs> um, and it seems strange to me that Chief McGinnis wouldn't know this, um, that he, Carson right. and Nancy helped intervene on Zane's behalf. Um, but I don't know. Maybe it's like a county thing. and. He is not involved in that. Whatever. Maybe. Um, so he let Nancy, Zane Quinn let Nancy look around the museum, but he had to leave early to catch his flight and leaving Nancy in the museum with a key. Um, which if Chief McGinnis checked up on Zane and actually called him and spoke to him, Zane could have told him this. Yeah. And we would have known to investigate the museum. I just... <sighs> Well, we already did know to investigate the museum, but we ignored we did. it. So we did. who's to You're say right. we, we wouldn't did. have ignored this as well? <laughs> um, so Nancy's in the museum with the key, and then she hears Marge and Mrs. Abernathy enter the museum. So she hid in the pantry, I guess, because she's not supposed to be there, and she didn't want Zane to get in trouble. Um, but on their way out, Mrs. Abernathy must have locked the pantry on accident, accidentally trapping Nancy inside. So this wasn't even... This was not anything malicious. Nobody no. was out to get Nancy. Nancy just got stuck in a locked closet that somebody locked her in on accident. That's it. It's so stupid. That's what happened. And because she didn't have her cell phone, because she's stupid and doesn't carry it with her. <laughs> I just... Oh, it's what a waste of a book. Um, Original Nancy would have found a way out of this room on her own. She would have been oh crawling through the vents. She would have After that door off the days, hinges. Yeah. 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 Um, but yeah, we do make the comment that luckily there was plenty of food and water in there. Luckily it was a pantry and Nancy got trapped in and not just the coat closet. Um, but she says, I guess I got to go find that pickle jar that I left in there because George brings up, where did you go to the bathroom? So we learned that Nancy used well, a pickle jar. I guess she peed in the pickle jar. Definitely. But this is my question. Did oh, she no. shit in the pickle jar? <laughs> it's been three days. Oh, that, no. I guess you could potentially just not. But, like, seems like it oh. might have happened. Mm. <laughs> anyway, um, we also learned the police are going to find a good home for Klaus who knows how to take care of him. Good. Okay. Um and then Nancy makes a joke that she won't worry the next time she goes missing. And then George says, Nancy, the next time you go missing, we're going with you. <laughs> Which is funny. But 
Because okay, we guys. couldn't handle this simple, simple mystery. Absolutely could not handle it. Like, could not. Mm. So I'm sad. I'm sad that this is the super <laughs> mystery here. Because it's just so disappointing. I wanted... It could have been so good. It had such I a I like your idea of the Carson angle. That would have been a that great your story. Idea. But... Yeah. No, I think you came up with that. You were like, well, oh, what if it was Carson? Well, still, it would, oh well. <laughs> would have been much better. <laughs> yeah. <sighs> I hated it. I hated how simple it was. It wasn't even a mystery to solve. It's not it a was, mystery. Nancy tells people, I'm going to go look into this museum thing. And then she goes to look into the museum thing and locks herself in a closet. And then everyone's like, hmm, I wonder if the museum thing has anything to do with it. Let's not, not check. Yeah. Let's go to the park. <laughs> Let's talk to Marge. Let's talk to Deirdre. Let's go investigate the parade floats. Let's look into slash not look into Zane Quinn. Like, <laughs> you guys. You guys. Um, it's pathetic. And then they're complaining the whole time that, oh, we're just Nancy's sidekicks. Which, that was interesting characterization. Right. Which, do right. we want to start there with our discussion? Well, first of all, just a minor oh. question. Um, why does a museum have a food pantry? Oh, yeah. With food and water in it? I thought that I as well. I could understand like, like a staff break room with maybe some snacks and water, maybe a fridge or something. But it's a full pantry with, yeah. I guess, pickle jars in it. Why does the museum have pickles? <laughs> what? Are they, what? What are they doing with, with pickles in a closet? I, when I was in high school, I volunteered at an art museum that had like a little cafe in the, the first floor of oh, it. And so maybe okay. it was like associated with like a coffee shop or something in there. Okay. And I could see All that right. having a pantry. Sure. Yeah. But other or than that. Room. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Mm. That was my very first question. I was like, why the but F? You don't and get also. Pickles at like, a coffee shop padlocked from the outside i understand like maybe like a door lock but like a padlock that's intense yeah. a padlock on a pantry like what yeah. are you stealing from there those pickles are that valuable that like... come to the art museum to steal the art leave <laughs> yeah. with the pickles <laughs> yeah <laughs> oh um, goodness no that yeah, was a good anyway. point <laughs> let's talk about bess and george <laughs> um because it's odd I, Bess and George throughout, every, when they're talking to people, there are several times they're like, oh, you're Nancy's friends. You're Nancy's friends. Oh, aren't you friends with Nancy? And they're, I wouldn't say that they're miffed at this, but they're just kind of slightly annoyed. Like, yeah. Well, it of keeps they, coming up, which right. I can see why that's annoying. But they also say that that's all, that happens all the time, is that nobody yeah. actually knows who they are. They just know that they're associated with Nancy. And so they feel kind of overshadowed by that and, like, they don't have their own identity. And I'm Which is valid. Like, it is totally valid. But it's like, one, you don't have enough self-worth <laughs> to be like, it's okay that people think that about me. I know that I am my own person and these are right. all my interests and everything. Um and also, isn't it, wouldn't it be an excellent opportunity if, say, I don't know, there was a book where George and Bess were narrating, and then we could actually establish them as being their own characters and having their own identity separate from Nancy. Wouldn't that be nice, Corey? Wouldn't it? Wouldn't it instead, be nice? <laughs> instead, what we do is we spend the whole book talking about how 
God, they're so annoyed with the fact that everybody only knows him as friends with Nancy. And then they just absolutely fail at the only task that it could have possibly set them up as having any kind of value and self-worth. And then it turns out that they actually really are just Nancy's sidekicks. Uh, like, and they're worthless without her? Yeah. <laughs> How terrible. <laughs> really self-affirming, huh? Yeah. They couldn't have done better solving the mystery because they're just the sidekicks. They they're need just their, the sidekicks. They need that's their main really, character to solve it. That's the conflict of the book, is how Bess and George are like, we're not smart enough to do this, and then it turns out they're not smart enough to do it. It's just a fluke. Oh. We even joke about it at the end of the book, being like, George saying like, no, Nancy, we're going with you. The next time you go missing, we're not doing this again. <laughs> Like, we we can't deal. It's fine. Heck, oh, it's just so disappointing. It is, yeah. We do get a little bit of um, Bess talking about her diet. Uh, so that's really oh, the only yes. character trace that she gets in this. And mm-hmm. then George is just the rude one. I felt like the the comment about uh, the comment that Bess makes about her food consumption was so close. To being okay. Yeah. But ended up so bad. <laughs> like, I noted the page so number. Let me I, see I quoted it, it too. So Beth says, I'm not the type to follow diet fads or deny myself the food I really love. But I still have to watch what I eat pretty carefully to avoid blowing up like a pufferfish. Oh. We were so close, Corey. Yeah. We had him in the first half. <laughs> and then in the second <sighs> half, straight downhill. Yeah. So, I mean, I guess, you know, at this point, we've recognized that, you know, dieting fans and denying, denying, denying yourself food that you love is unhealthy, unhealthy food behavior, perhaps disordered eating. Um, but in this exact same sentence, we, of course, have to fat shame. Of course. So it's like, don't don't do the dieting and diet fad thing. Don't be unhealthy, but also don't be fat. Just do extreme restriction. That's not a diet fad. <laughs> Ah! <sighs> Poor Bess. No. And it's so much worse, too, when you read it, not as someone else doing this to her, but as her, like, describing oh, it herself. Because you see how internalized it is. Yeah. Like, it's upsetting. Yeah. Um, so, content warning. <laughs> she's just eating egg whites while she's, George yeah, is having eating pancakes an egg white and bacon. Yeah. And she's jealous that George gets to eat whatever she wants and not have to worry about her, you know, figure or whatever, where Bess feels like she has to watch what she eats. And then she chides herself for even thinking like that when Nancy's mm-hmm. missing. Yeah. So it's even like, there's even like some self-hate for, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. It's real Poor sad. Poor Bess. I hate yeah. this. We don't get any Ned characterization no. either. No. He's, again, just the helpful sidekick. But it does yeah. seem like Ned is kind of fine with it. This yeah. is the thing. This <laughs> is the thing about Ned in these books that gets me. Because throughout all of it, like all the other series is, Ned is so, Ned has such an issue, right? Ned is mm-hmm. always upset for being left behind. He's always upset with Nancy not consulting him or running off or doing her own thing or whatever. And he wants to be included or whatever. He seems to have absolutely no compunction in this book series about just being the reliable sidekick boyfriend, happily tagging along with his girlfriend's endeavors. And it's just, why is it 
that Ned is only good in the shittiest series? Why is it? <laughs> because, you, like, I want, I want in the excellent series, like, The Files, I want Ned to be so much better so oh, that I can no. actually feel kind of conflicted about Nancy's, you know, flirtation with Frank Hardy. But I yeah. can't. I just can't because he's just terrible. But in these, I'm like, well, maybe I am on Team Ned Nickerson. And I'm like, no, wait, wait, wait. I just have to completely discount this book series because it's so crappy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Ned is so bad. At the investigating thing <laughs> that at one point when they're talking about, they're like going through, they're like, all right, let's regroup here. Like, what have we already looked at so far and what can we look into a little bit more? And they're like, hmm, the museum thing. Well, we asked a random person about it and we found nothing. So the museum thing, he calls it a red herring, yeah. even though they haven't looked into it at all. He's like, clearly the museum thing's a red herring. So let's That's move true. past that. Not worth looking into. What? Ned? <laughs> and then he's just like all right Bess and george tell me to go stand in the park for four hours and i'll do it and then i'll report back lord <laughs> oh ned lordy 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 also i we find out at one point that Bess and george fall asleep in the bushes at like just a little bit after midnight yeah it's not like it's 4 a.m or anything it's like a little bit after midnight and they just fall asleep <laughs> bedtime too too sleepy for worry. I can't. I can't, y'all. It's an amateur hour over here. Like, major. And, of course, George is relegated to her main um, character trait in this series, which is just oh, a yeah. girl. Mm-hmm. She serves no other purpose. <laughs> and that and ragging on Bess for being the optimistic one. Right. Mm-hmm. And George like, I'm a realist. Which I guess yeah. just means I'm an asshole. oh Uh, let me ask you something with george and her hacker skills when they're looking up zane quinn's story about flying to phoenix to visit his family she's able to confirm like yes we found the flight records (laughs) how Mm -hmm. is george able to quote unquote hack and find whether or not this man was on the plane a good what three and a half years after 9-11 how was she able to find this information so that's not one thing one thing i think they don't know whether or not he actually got on the plane that's why they called chief mcginnis they thought maybe he just bought these plane tickets and then um didn't actually get on the plane and is holding nancy captive somewhere and just okay created this trip as like a cover um but chief mcginnis confirms by having called the airline and confirmed that he was on the plane alone yeah but I but thought they yeah. were saying George like found the flight log or something online. No, I'm like, there's assume, no way. <laughs> I assume she must have hacked into his stuff somehow and saw that he purchased a, a plane ticket. Oh, okay. That makes more sense. I'm like, there's no way. I mean, you can look up. Uh, there's obviously right. a list of what flights go where from which airport, mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. not whether or not he bought a ticket. I and mean, I'm unless like, she did is you just find that? so skilled that she is able to hack into these incredible secure airline servers yeah um i cannot imagine that that would be possible i of course don't know i'm not a professional in any capacity but i can only imagine how intense that security is um yeah cute Uh Mm -hmm. 
So hmm. she she was able to look that up and find his flight information, but couldn't determine whether or not he was currently in prison. Because yeah. they... <laughs> Surely that would be public record if that someone is, is released. That is public record when someone is released. And she's like, mm, it's a mystery. We'll, we'll, well never know. <laughs> I, okay, wait a second. Now I'm thinking that some of that information might have been sealed because he was a minor. Oh, fair enough. Okay. I don't know when he went into prison. I don't think he was a minor when he was released, but so I don't know how that works, but I think some of that information they couldn't get to because he's a minor. Yeah. That would make sense. Okay. Yeah. Fair enough. Fair enough. Um, Okay. Yeah. But I still don't understand why Chief McGinnis didn't try to contact actually Zane Quinn and be like, Hey, Nancy Drew's missing. Do you know anything about that? And couldn't just talk to him on the phone. And then, yeah. again, at least Chief McGinnis would know something about the museum and go investigate that. I don't understand how they're like, let's just not tell Chief McGinnis anything about what we're investigating, even though we clearly are floundering here. Mm-hmm. And Chief McGinnis, Chief McGinnis could have put together that, okay, Nancy's yeah. investigating the museum. <laughs> Seems like something might be going on there. I'm just going to have a, you know, a deputy go over and just take a look around seriously like nancy at this point has been missing for like 72 hours at this point for sure you would have search parties in river heights you would have search parties formed combing fields for nancy drew yeah right of course and and they're not even like just looking in like buildings and stuff that Mm -hmm. she potentially had visited yeah they're not even trying to figure out like who had last seen her that would have been a way better ending if we just find out, like, hey, Nancy's safe. Chief McGinnis went and, like, looked into it and has already found her. And she's back uh-huh. home already. Like, uh-huh. <laughs> I was thinking this. And I was like, you know, I really wish. If if we're not having Nancy Drew as our main character here, as our narrator or whatever, can we just have the book not be a mystery? Can it just be about something else? Yeah. Can it just can we just have a different plot? It doesn't have to be a mystery book. I understand this is a mystery series. Of course. But like clearly these guys aren't up to it. Um and you don't want to make them be up to it. So just have it be about something else. Have it be like a thriller situation or, you know, an adventure, action adventure, which this is also is not. Um <laughs> and and have them like helping Chief McGinnis with this, you know? That would have been way better. Way better. Or Carson, you know? Yeah, yeah I just... Yeah. Maybe Hannah could have been in the story then. Oh, my Carson God. Because like, Hannah's not even in the story. Justice they mentioned for Hannah. once that she's home, but... She, she has been like a mother to Nancy. Is effect, effectively is her mother at this point because she's she's raised her since she was like three, right? right. Or six. I don't know what it is in this universe, but... Um, I think it's three in this universe, but it was ten in the like the original text, oh original mystery stories. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so g- imagine how torn up Hannah is right now. Imagine. And she's not even mentioned. We don't she's even not give even her mentioned. that. Mm-mm. She's in like the first chapter when they go, they speak to her on the phone. And I think she's briefly in Nancy's bedroom and that's it. Yeah. Yeah. Ugh. Oh. Best thinks Ned is a hunk. Oh, I missed that. When did so, that happen? Uh, very early on. Oh, okay. Um, let me let me read it. So. Oh, when they're leaving the restaurant. 
Mm-hmm. So okay. this is, yeah, Bess's chapter where she's like describing stuff. So, um, or no, no, no. This is George's chapter and she, yeah, and she's describing just their relationships or whatever. And she says, Ned Nickerson has been Nancy's main squeeze practically forever. The two of them are so tight, it's a little sickening. He's the kind of guy Bess would call a major hunk. Tall, dark, handsome, the works. Also, Bess giggles when he makes like a lame joke. I think this is like pointing to our theory that maybe Bess and Ned would be a better couple than Nancy and Ned. Yeah. Bess is totally into her friend's boyfriend. Uh, the drama. Let's read a book, a book about that. I want to read a book know, about that. right? <laughs> that would have been so much better. Also, Anything would have been so much better than this. Since when is Ned studying literature? Oh, yeah. That's just convenient for the story. He's a... I guess. Wasn't he a science major? I thought so. Chemistry, right? Chemistry, he was right? into chemistry in the original mystery series. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's brief. Science stuff is briefly mentioned. I think in other series is is also mentioned in um, <laughs> uh, the Clue Benders. <laughs> he's doing some oh, science yeah. project, remember? Yeah. But so yeah, I think he's always been kind of like a science guy. Never yeah. heard this English thing. It, they just did it to be convenient with the newspaper right. plot line. The journalism. Yeah. Well, he could have been studying journalism. That would have been better. If he was a journalism major, his and Nancy's relationship would make so much more sense. Right? So much more sense. Infinitely more sense. Maybe he would actually be helpful in investigations yeah. if he could, uh-huh. like, and interested I'm go down in and do research. Instead of being like, Nancy, be safe. I don't like this. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah. I, I asked the question, and I was writing notes. It just seems like this book is written by someone who hates Nancy. Who simultaneously hates and loves Nancy as a character. Because all they do as Bess and George is bitch about how they're just accessories to Nancy Drew. And everybody thinks Nancy Drew is so great and whatever. And it just seems like, my God, like either they're trying to make it seem like her friends hate her or whoever wrote this book actually hates Nancy. Yeah. Oh, (laughs) my gosh. For real. Yeah. Yeah. And I think maybe that's why it's partially why it's so bad. I can no. see it. Yeah. George also has a nightmare about a computer virus. Oh. <laughs> She's remember? the tech girl. Don't worry. She yeah. She wakes up having had a nightmare that a computer virus was just like infecting the whole world. It's like, okay, calm down, Michael Crichton. <laughs> oh, George. Oh, I guess that is a little peek into her character a little bit better, but. <laughs> Must be all she thinks about. Must be all she choice. thinks about to be dreaming about it. <laughs> yeah. I just thought that was hilarious. Oh, George. Um, yeah, the only other thing, I mean, we kind of already talked about it, but just how mean they are to Deirdre when they ruin mm. her big moment and then expose her underwear to the entire town. Why? Honestly, why? It's disgusting. Like, what is the reason? And... George also makes a crack about how, like, Deirdre's dad's law firm is, quote-unquote, throwing money around by donating a chess set to the university exhibit. So? And it's like, it's a local law firm. So yeah. there's money involved. And they're throwing money around by making a donation to the university museum. In what world is that, <laughs> like, a crack? Like, yeah. It's like, okay, that's like, no, that's like a good thing. That's yeah. like people using their wealth to, like invest in their town right 
Maybe ask Deirdre about it a little bit more. Also, God, so painful. So, goodbye. Yeah. Watch goodbye, Girl hands. Detective series. Uh, it's Your super mysteries it, are not so super. Yeah, it's sad that we had to go out on such a dud. I know. They were all duds. They really and were The last all one duds. was okay. But overall, But not even that bad. good. Like, no. if I was reading that amongst, like, the files or something, like, a really excellent series, I still would, I would have given it a two. Yeah. You know, two flashlights. I would not have given it three. Like, I was generous. I think it did. But, like, geez. Ugh. Well, I'm glad it's over. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, flashlight score for this one, Corey? Oh, a one, probably. I don't know. I feel like a two would be generous. Is that uh-huh. harsh to say one? No, I was going to say one, too. Okay. Uh. I mean, it's definitely... Okay. Actually, I was going to say it's not as bad for me as Secret in the Old Lace, but I think it actually is. You think so? Yeah. It was a little bit shorter, so at least it wasn't as long and boring. But I'm thinking about how boring it was. And at least Secret of the Old Lace was a little bit like, what's going to... What the fuck could happen next? You know? And this one, I'm like, ugh. Like... Just get me to the end because I know what's going to happen, you know? This felt like they added an extra eight chapters just because they had to. Oh, my God. Yeah. Because that's how much the mystery actually would have taken up. Like yeah. two chapters. Yeah. Yeah. No, so I agree. I agree. I would give it a one. It's just okay. It's just bad. How sad. We were so excited to read this one for a long time. And then it was just such a letdown. It sucks when the buildup is so high. <laughs> I know. So great. What a concept, though. Nancy mm-hmm. Drew's missing. Her best friends have to team up to find her. That could have been really solid, and it was nothing in the end. If we're going to rewrite any of them as fan fiction, it should be this one. Because I think this one deserves the most redemption yeah. out of all of them. This whole series deserves so much redemption. Well, it doesn't deserve redemption. That's a weird way to put that. It's so bad that I feel like it's desperately in need of improvement. <laughs> Oh, well. On to the next. Yeah. Which is... Hold on, I have to pull up the name. Something with generally much, much, much better reviews. So Mm -hmm. hopefully we won't have such a painful stretch as last time. We are finally going to be moving on to the Nancy Drew Diaries. Yeah. And we're going to go ahead and cover the first one, Curse of the Arctic Star. Um, Yes. I'm so excited. I, I feel like I gotta stop getting excited because one of one of these days it's the the disappointment is gonna be too great. But um, I don't think so. I'm I feel optimistic about this series just from the cover art alone is mm-hmm. excellent, high quality. Oh yeah, lovely. they're really cute. Um, and I was telling you this before too, but I think that it is really just whoever decided that they needed to. Um, kind of roll Nancy Drew back to being strictly a children's series. I think that is an excellent plan. Um, and so I'm really excited to read that and hopefully it's really good. Yeah. 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 The diaries were meant to be the replacement for this atrocity. So, <laughs> but yeah. this will leave us with just a couple of series that we haven't touched on yet. Of course, there's the like ones that are geared to ch- toward children where Nancy's supposed to be like a third grader in those. But then I think the only other like, you know, older series that we haven't done is the on campus one. 
Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. So that might be interesting. And I don't even know if those are technically mysteries or if they're more like soap opera y. Yeah. Yeah. So I I think they are mysteries, but they seem very dramatic. I think they are geared more toward young adults, like the files are, Mm -hmm. as opposed to the mystery stories or the diaries or whatever. But yeah, there's uh, that one. And then there's the River Heights series, which that one is like uh, Nikki from Suspect Mm -hmm. Next Door and her, like, her world um but that's more soap opera than mystery and right. nancy only makes a few cameos in that series mm-hmm. anyway so yeah but yeah i don't know i would be interested to read a series in which like a nancy drew inspired series that is not a mystery you know yeah i would be interested that could to be see interesting because sometimes i'm like you guys how many books <laughs> have we written at this point it's got to be like in the thousands yeah um, oh well there's like 600 i think oh okay total of course you know the answer to that Corey. of course you do <laughs> you know all of the history i don't know even why i try <laughs> <laughs> let me google um, it it came up with an ad for uh mystery of magnolia gardens by hunter keller yeah i keep um, saying that too as of 2019, 533. Um, yeah. But I don't know so, if that counts the like younger series. And, oh, man. Um, yeah, like the games and other mysteries right, that are not books. Right, books, right, books, right, 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 right. So we're getting up there. So at this point, I'm just like, maybe if you're to take a different tack, like a different plot genre, maybe it'll be a little better. Yeah. I don't. I don't actually think that the River Heights series is probably that great, considering it did not go on for very long. Yeah. But I think a series like that could be. Um, I mean, it's kind of inspired by the files and taken from that universe, so I can't imagine it's too bad, right? Yeah. I mean, I was a fan of, like, I didn't read the actual Sweet Valley series, but that type of book, you know, when I was a teen, well, like a little younger than a teen, pre-teeny, um... When you know, I appreciated those. They were yeah. entertaining. Oh, I love the Sweet Valley ones. Those are really yeah. good. Yeah. So, and all their iterations. Mm-hmm. So anyway, we'll see. We'll see where yes. we where we go to the future. But next up, the Nancy Drew Diaries. I'm excited. I'm hopeful. I'm excited. I'll let myself be hopeful. That's yeah. fine. Yeah. 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 I think I I have a good feeling about this. Yes. <laughs> a good feeling. So yeah. So find out next time. Yeah. yeah, we'll we'll see you next time when we cover Curse of the Arctic Star. Bye. Bye y'all. Thank you for listening to Regular Nancy Drew. Email us at regularnancydrew at gmail.com. If you like this episode, make sure to rate, review, and subscribe. You can also follow us on Instagram at RegularNancyDrew and Twitter at RegularND. You can also support us on Patreon. Patrons at the $3 level vote on upcoming episode topics and get exclusive access to our Scoop Sesh series. And all patrons receive early access to each episode as well as weekly bonus content. And to all you regular Drews out there, thanks thanks for for listening. listening.